Estrava says, drink deeply, live fully, talk about hockey. Stravacraft Coffee is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-cups for your Keurig, whole bean, or ground, whatever type of coffee making you find easiest. And you can get 20% off when you use code DNVR20. Be sure to tag Strava and us on Twitter when you buy from them. We'll be have some fun, shout you out, all that. You know the drill. Be part of the community. So the CBD is non-psychoactive, and it's been known to help long-term migraines. Can confirm that one specifically, but also decrease anxiety help with arthritis, IBS, many other aches and pains as well. So great product. Give it a try, especially now in quarantine. I know a lot of people like my wife are very anxious about things in times like this, and it can help with that. So DNVR 20 for that 20% off. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon, call J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer for you to try, including our favorite Breckenridge Brewery. Highly recommend you head on down to either of their two locations. You can either get pickup or delivery if you live nearby, and they're a great uh, option for all of your alcohol needs. I am Nathan Rudolph. He is AJ Hayfley. We are here today to, once again, talk some actual hockey and relevant news to current hockey not 1996 hockey uh, i do want to start off with aj wrote a piece on martin kaut and the abs development system today if you haven't read that yet highly recommend you check it out over on thednvr.com it's great pieces like that that we have very regularly if you're not signed up for a membership with us that's the type of stuff that you can get aj I do want to start out here. We talked about Kaut a little bit yesterday as one of the app's top five prospects, but for him specifically, it's a step in the right direction, I think, for the app's developmental systems. And as you went into it in depth in your article, this is something that they need to learn and grow from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the the success that they had with Kaut was not surprising because yeah. we're talking about they utilized an actual top prospect, the player that they are projecting to have an impact in the NHL as an NHL talent. They have been skirting by using their call-ups the last several years on Andragazino and uh, Jason Magna and TJ Tynan. And it, it, guys like that who are AHL veterans and are highly productive players for the Eagles. And it's always an easy argument to say, well, they're the best players on the Eagles. They should be the ones who are getting the call to the abs, right? That The difference between Not AHL and NHL so isn't one-to-one, right? Well, and when you're also talking about basing your call-ups on AHL production, you have to look at the situation. 
guys like Megna, guys like Tynan, when when Nagazino was here, these are all top line players for the for for the Eagles. These are all guys in the top six, right? Twenty plus minutes a night, power play one time, exactly, and and getting the um, imagine the 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 McKinnon and Kadri roles, but in the AHL. They're not being played by prospects. They're being played by the AHL veteran guys. And so that's where that's where it kind of creates this circular argument, or I, I should say a circular system where, oh, well, we're going to call up the top AHL guys, but we're going to give top competition to the AHL guys or to the AHL veterans. And so now we just put ourselves in a position to keep calling the same guys up. Right. It's They come up and they don't have any success. Andrew Agazzino had two points in 11 games with the Avs last year and then went on to Pittsburgh, which has had the magical elixir of guys you've never heard of being successful. And we always joke, oh, all you have to do playing next to Sidney Crosby is just get on the ice and put your stick down. And it's not like that. Like, they had insane injury issues and they got through them with guys like Teddy Bluger. And, you know, once upon a time, Jake Gensel was a call-up. Yep. And Brian Rust and Connor Sheary and these guys that have kind of come out of nowhere, right? And they are successful because they give those guys opportunities. You look at last season, Ryan Graves, four years in the AHL, gets an opportunity. He's 22 years old, 23 years old. That's very different than a guy who is 27 or 28. Right. Who is pretty much developed at this point. And it, in the Av system, for a lot of these guys, opportunity begets opportunity, right? It's And those opportunities at the AHL level are going to veterans, not prospects. Right. And so when you see Martin Kalkit called up, and he puts in, he has three points in nine games. The highest scoring Avs call up of the season, by the way. Right. Three points in nine games combined. Megna and Tynan, 24 games played, two points. Yep. So, that speaks for itself, those numbers. It, it does. And, like, and Megna, for sure, we had already, we've, we've already known. He had 100 NHL games played coming in. We knew, we knew what Jason Megna was. He was 29 years old. Yeah. Had, had a nice, solid preseason, was one of the last cuts. Like, it's always a feel-good story in preseason when a guy hangs around a little bit longer, right? Like, I'm okay with that. That's all good and well. But when you start carrying them over and they, they're they your priority call-ups, how much different does this season go if Martin Cout is one of their call-ups in November? We don't know. Maybe he comes in and he's not ready and doesn't play very well. And, we send, and, and the Avs send him back down and we don't see him again. Maybe that's how that goes. Maybe the extra time that they spent with those veteran call-ups is just what Cout needed to kind of find the consistency or whatever that they were looking for in order to call him up later in the year. Okay, great. But they've got to be able to recognize when a guy who they they feel is a legitimate NHL prospect, they've got to be able to recognize when he is in that spot and it's and it's his time to get the call. Yep. And they need to start prioritizing those guys. This is where I think they did AJ AJ Greer a little bit dirty because he got he got called up but never got, got a, a real opportunity games. in those games. 
he averaged six minutes of ice right. time. Right. Kout's first game, I think he played just about nine minutes, and by the end he of played, that... It, I actually went through it looking at this. It was his lowest. He played seven and a half minutes. Okay. And then he ended up averaging over ten minutes right. of ice time in nine games. Yeah, by the end of it, he was playing... He was pushing like 11-12 near the end, so... It... <clears throat> it that's a real opportunity, right? Right. You're getting meaningful minutes, and... You're you're getting usefulness out of your guys. Yeah, and I mean, this is where the conversation kind of converges for me, right? Because if you're playing a call-up six minutes a night, it really doesn't matter that much who you call up, whether it's a, a prospect or TJ Tynan or whatever, because you're just... 100%. That's just a warm body that you're throwing out there when your stars are too exhausted to get back on the ice. Yeah, you're killing time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not you're not worrying about who's on your fourth line at that point. You're straight killing time. Yeah. So it, the problem with that is why do that when you have an option that can be a real NHL player for you? Well, and you could see in previous years it was okay, well who are the prospects? Who are the guys not getting this opportunity? And you would have a fair enough point. The Avs aren't in that spot anymore. We just we went through guys. seven guys that are legitimate NHL caliber prospects in this organization, and three or four of the forwards are in the AHL or pro right now. Right, and you could have they. I mean, Martin Couch, Shane Bowers, uh, AJ Greer, Logan O'Connor; those are all perfectly acceptable call-ups in my yep. eyes. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm, the AJ Greer situation is what it is. The organization seems right. pretty done with him, but the there's, other three... There's obviously different factors playing a role with Greer other than just the hockey. Yeah. And so we we, we take that into consideration, and when he doesn't get a call-up, nobody's nobody's wringing the hands anymore. Nobody's upset anymore when AJ Greer's not getting the call-up because people are... It's, it's either like the organization is done with him or people are convinced he got an opportunity and didn't do anything with it. I will never be on that on that train, just given what happened. I don't think he got a legitimate NHL look. It's fine though. Like the decision was also, made, at least, right? He not stuck right. in limbo on the guy. Exactly, and and the the demand league wide. He's made it through waivers a couple of like several times now. He uh, has made it through a couple of different trade deadlines, like. It this is, is what it this is. is not, yeah. This is not a unique opinion to the Avalanche at this point. For sure. But nonetheless, uh, Logan O'Connor, a great example of a guy like Graves, who, you know, maybe not a full-on prospect, not on his ELC anymore, but 23-24, there's still some development to be had there rather than playing 27, 28, 29-year-old veterans. You're still trying to get an NHLer out of that guy instead of a warm body. And the difference there is is less with a Logan O'Connor than a Martin Cowd or a Shane Bowers, a first-round pick, but that's exactly where the Avs have struggled. They have yet to develop a non-first-round pick out of their systems. The closest they've come is Anton Lindholm, which was a very specific case of a player that was just the best option on an absolutely terrible team, is where he got the vast majority of his games. Yep. So, the holes in the development process are still there. And with the Avs and the deep prospect pool that we talked about yesterday, they have to start getting things out of it. They cannot. It's one thing. It's one thing for Chris Beagraw to get a concussion and 
you move on. And the, the guy's never the same after looking like a pretty decent NHLer for a handful of games, right? Yeah. It's one thing Stefan Elliott comes up and has 30 good games, but can never get the defensive side of his game going despite all of his offensive tools. It's one thing for those guys to just never quite make it. We're talking about quadruple A guys, guys who were this, 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 this close to being real NHL players. It's one thing to just barely miss out on it on some of those cats. They can't screw up the, the pool that they've built. The, the quality of it, the depth of it is not like anything that they have had, had in a long time. They have to get NHL talent out of it. They, if they don't, have if they don't help develop these guys into real NHLers, it could cost them a Stanley Cup. Yeah, the very different story there as compared to what happened to Nick Henry this season, where he was put on the fourth line the whole season and was never really given any opportunities to succeed. Right, and and that's that's a guy that needs to be getting playing time. Yeah, that's exactly. a guy that your AHL contract with Ryan Wagner, Eric Condra is taking. De- development away from Nick Henry. He needs to be on the ice. I think that's as good a place to leave it as any. So time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery as the official beer of DNVR. Uh, Maybe pour one out for some of the prospects that never quite made it. I'm drinking the coffee stout right now. Always a big fan of the, the dark beers, particularly from Breckenridge. Avalanche Amber, one of my favorites. I wish they'd make a couple more dark ones, to be honest with you. If you're listening, Breck, make a dark beer, and I will drink it immediately. Uh, You can (laughs) head on over to their farmhouse, which is down in Littleton, if you want to pick up some Breck brew directly from the source. And you can also get $5 off of a meal for pickup when you use code DNVR. You can reach them at 303-803-1380. Pickup is from noon to 8 p.m., so if you just need to get out of the house, pick up some lunch, something like that. It's a good and safe way to do it as they will bring your to-go order right to your car for you. Nobody has to get out and converse or anything like that in these quarantine times. Tons of awesome beers, as I've already mentioned. Give them a try and, and help support our partners and support us as well. As the chat is looking out for AJ, who who mood, muted himself nicely on the coughing fit I saw him having earlier. But uh, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's, another place you can pick up your Breck brew. I am Rudo. He is AJ. We've talked about the prospects. At some point this year, there is going to be an NHL draft and the Avs are going to bring new prospects in. The new developing story or potential option, obviously at this point, continuingly nothing has ever been confirmed by the league as a, an official plan. But the latest thing coming out of guys like LeBrun and them is the NHL looking at the possibility of having the NHL draft in June as normal, but doing it before the playoffs are finished. And that brings in a lot of problems right off the bat. <clears throat> Number one, what do you do about conditional picks traded at the deadline? Right. Because, so here's the thing, right? Like, if they cancel the season, I think that's fine. Conditions are, well, there were no playoffs, so they didn't make the playoffs. and it... Right. This is, this is where, number one, where we very, where we have to start this. If they commit to a June draft, cancel the season. They need to commit to being done with this year. Yeah, I 
because then they can make a lot of the the, the logistics of a June draft work. Right. It it solves the problems for the most part. But if they if they want to have a draft and then you're the ads. Okay. At the draft, you're sitting there in a normal year. You have an unsigned Nikita Zadorov. You're looking to make whatever improvements. You're trying to do all these different things, right? What what do you do in in this situation? Are you allowed to are you allowed to trade players? Right. I I mean, are, are, you, is, was the trade deadline for nothing? Can the Avs turn around and trade Nemesnikov away? I mean, you could trade players anyway right now. The question is, is who you acquire allowed to play for you in the playoffs that are still happening? Well, well given what we saw yesterday with the Grigorenko contract getting voided yeah, by the was NHL. was illegal, yeah. Because they said, well, this is not the period. You have to wait until July 1st. Everybody, everybody was kind of like, okay, well, I guess in under normal circumstances, would make perfect sense, but yeah. So they're 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 operating under that. They're they're operating under that constraint of the regular schedule. You have to wait till July first to sign those free agents. You go into the draft in June with the possibility that there's still season to be played. Is that just like a second trade deadline? Um, well. I mean, that's my question, too. Let's say you draft an 18-year-old kid on draft day in the first round. Can that kid play in your playoffs? Are there any teams where that might be a possibility? Um, I'd have to look at the draft order, but there might be. Let me see. Like, Because you could say, you know, like the borderline guys. What if, what if, uh, <clears throat> I actually don't have an example off the top of my head. NHL standings. It doesn't look like it, you know, barring someone pretty deep in the first somehow jumping in. Uh, but let's see. League-wide standings. Even then, say say a team like Minnesota takes uh, a European kid. Yeah. And wants to just give him nine games. Sure. Can they? Right. I mean, that's exactly my point. Can a player that they drafted in the 2020 NHL draft play in the 2019-20 season if it continues after the draft. And like they they get an extra they they get a free look at that guy, they're they're whatever. It doesn't cost them the ELC. Yep. Because they only do the nine games and the slide and all that right, stuff, right. right? Yeah. What do they do they What's the rule there? Well, like and, what are what are they allowed to do? Are could the abs do that? Could they could they draft somebody and then be like, "Oh, hey, you know, well they won't because they'll probably draft a college kid." But if they were to take, like, a European player, for example, just give him a couple of games and then send him back to Europe? Like, what? And any CHL player, too, because the CHL season's canceled, so. Well, and and not only that, but the CHL-NHL agreement expires this summer. Which is a whole nother bag of worms, but. So, you know, what, if, if business hasn't resumed and they don't get that thing taken care of, and they come back with, uh, they come back with the season, and there's no does rules. Play, like, <laughs> does that does that play a does that play does that does that play a role in anything? I have no. Or idea. would it, we just have to wait until next year, when 
things get sorted when the out. AHL yeah. Gets going. yeah, I don't know. It's uh, there's way too many questions, right? with this system that have not been answered for it to be a realistic thing unless the season gets canceled. It just seems overly stubborn. Yeah. Like the NFL continuing to have its off season as scheduled, nothing's been changed for agency opened. Uh, right. Uh, the only thing that, that, that changed was they weren't the players haven't been able to go and do medicals draft prep uh, has been, incomplete but the like schedule wise everything has continued on as normal in the nfl because nothing's had to be canceled (laughs) right they they they're taking the chance that they're going to get away with that like that it would they will be fine the nhl doesn't i mean the nhl's already lost its season same as the nba why would you continue on and pretend like everything is normal with the draft when it clearly is not yeah you're not going to have any uh, teams. Teams are teams are using this time to to scout and catch up on whatever, right? Like do do what they have to do with the the idea that a season of some kind is going to be returning. Yeah. If they turn around and just decide, oh, hey, we're going to continue on with the draft. What does your pre-draft process look like? All you of a sudden, the second it, half of your season, right? You have no post seasons. There's nothing. U18 isn't happening either. Like the, like nothing is happening. Yep. Why would you why bother with June especially when uh, if you haven't already canceled the season, you bring into play the confusion of our teams allowed to make player deals. Just completely unnecessary chaos, right? And yeah, I, I mean, it's either that or it's it's the exact opposite of chaos where teams aren't allowed to do a damn thing other than draft players and trade draft. And picks. then it's boring. <laughs> and and that's bad for the league because exactly the, the draft has become a big event. Of, yeah. Trading expose. Right. Of, of the league. So I just I don't know why. I don't know why they would try and force this. It just doesn't need to be done. Right. Again, the first question that needs to be answered is not when is the draft. That is not that is right. fifth or sixth down the list of, okay, is the season returning? Okay, what about trades? Okay, what about signing free agents? What's the plan for next season? When is that going to begin? The draft, you just fit it in, in between all of those things somewhere. Not before everything else. <laughs> They. This is the one league that has experience doing this because they're the only ones dumb enough to actually cancel a season before. Because of a lockout, yep. So, you know, they had a smaller draft, and that was in person, and there were a lot of different things that went into that that they may not be able to do this year. <clears throat> but I don't, I don't, I don't see, I, I don't, I, I mean, the, the other... draft process is already borked. Right. It's so screwed up already that it's you're gonna have you're gonna have bad draft classes, well, and we're probably gonna see more guys come out of the late rounds, and and be like this will be like that draft class where we're like wow bunch of steals yeah the five best players came from the third round and beyond and like how did that happen and well remember the world shut down and we missed a lot of the scouting. So the other question is like okay they have the drafts right, and Calgary picks. 16th overall and then Mm -hmm. they resume the season what if they get into the playoffs and win it all and they got to pick in the middle of the first round 
like that feels terrible for everyone, right? Yeah. So did they trade for anybody? Right. I mean, who knows? Like, like, did they just pick? Did they, did they just decide to go by? Yeah. Right. What What does the draft Indiana? system even look like if they just went for rank order right now? Boston right. would have and the last overall pick without any opportunity is, to play for the cup. How is it? How would it be fair that Detroit has a god awful year? It doesn't have to worry about losing its first overall draft pick. Right. Spot. Uh, well, how do you even? When, what's fair to do with a lottery at that point? Even like, should every like team Colorado? Be in? We, we we talked about how they would do the lottery. Well, I know, but what? How do they do the lottery if they're still planning on having the playoffs later? I don't know. I don't. I don't think you can. I. I don't think there's a quote a, a fair way to do it. Mm-hmm. And there just doesn't seem to be a need to do this. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it as well. To be perfectly honest with you, it just it feels entirely unnecessary um, in every way. But what's not unnecessary is going to college for many of us. MSU Denver Online is a great option to get you back into college while you can still continue living your life or living the quarantine life as normal because guess what they have a ton of rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into their classroom you can head on over to msudenver.edu online to see everything they have to offer which includes more than 40 online and hybrid programs for right now obviously everything is online as they don't want to have gatherings but once this blows over they will have on-campus classes as well and over 750 classes to choose from it's really a great school i can't recommend it enough because I did, in fact, go there and uh, graduated from there before I came on over here to DNVR. So, highly recommend it. I took many of my classes online. It's super awesome and easy. A lot of them are paced at your own speed, so you just kind of do what you need to do when you need to do it and make sure you get it done on your own time. Easy to do while you're working and other things as well. So, again, msudenver.edu slash online to check them out. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. In the chat, Aroboros does say the biggest disappointment if there were no trades at the draft was Saka can't straight thieve from people once again with his trades. Uh, which, honestly, um, most of his deals haven't been done at the draft, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Grubauer, I think, is the only... Well, he, they moved O'Reilly at the draft. That, yeah. Okay. And that certainly, that was no fleecing. Yeah. Um, and then they acquired Grubauer. Uh, I was holding trade down. I guess they, when they got Annan and Ranta, they only got picks for that, right? Yeah. So they could still do that theoretically. Uh, I guess it was Annan and Zaravilov. My bad. Yeah, you're, they right. Got in that you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Because they wanted to take Anandin anyway, and so they dropped five spots, got a pick, and ended up with a guy who's an NHL draft prospect. Yep. Like a real, actual prospect. Good job for them. Well done, indeed. Yeah. Good use of the board. <laughs> that, uh, if you want true chaos, Prof <laughs> Nuggy, cancel the draft and free agency pool of death free for all. <laughs> a lot of talk about that, actually. A lot of a lot of people really like that. The. I, I've always hated it. Um, so I, I just the problem with I, that is every player would 
from the draft would just go to whatever team they wanted because there would be no outbidding process because the ELCs would limit how much they can make. Exactly. So it would just be players like, oh, this team I like the most. And I guess once you get down into like the middling areas, I guess you could sell like, hey, we'll actually give you NHL opportunity this season or that's, something. But Yeah, that's where you would really start to balance between opportunities um, and and wanting to play somewhere and all that because and and I honestly 18 year old kids shouldn't be deciding that anyway. Um okay. 18 year 18 year old kids don't know a damn thing. We can jump into this question um which includes not just using Macar but Adam Fox as well as Oh, is this a stats question? Yeah. Ben Hedman asks that uh, Fox has insane advanced statistics. Hughes has great ones, and Makars look above average. How much stock do you put into those numbers? Uh, the fox Makar comparisons make Kale look average, and the advanced stats you have to take in context 100% of the time. Um, everyone loves to use the excuse with Hughes that look at his quality of competition, but... Mm-hmm. You also have to look at situationally. Like, Fox especially has been sheltered a lot. Look at the quality of team. Exactly that, too. So, there's a lot of, of relative statistics that, that need to be pointed out when it comes to these things. Uh, obviously, in Fox's situation, playing on a, a weaker team than, than McCarr and Hughes, they either can lean on him more because they don't have better options. Mm-hmm. Give him more opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're, he's going to be given better situations, I suppose. Probably the best situations the team can hand him, and he will still be their go-to guy in a lot of situations. Like You look at, <clears throat> yes, Makar does regularly run the point on power play one, but mm-hmm. they also have McKinnon right there waiting to create plays and, and do that. When it comes to someone like Fox, they're like, all right, here you go. Go do the thing. Okay, so there's a couple things that I want to talk about with this because uh, there's a lot of Adam Fox truthers out there. Oh, boy. Uh, and, like, Adam Fox has had a very good rookie year. And were it not for two historic rookies... Would uh, be a Calder candidate, yeah. Would definitely be, <clears throat> excuse me, he would be certainly more in the conversation than he is. It's just that there are two rookies doing something that we haven't seen in a very long time. Fair enough. Or, well, ever, actually, because this is the first time ever that two rookie defensemen have scored 50 points in a season. So, it, it, the the look at the underlings with the Adam Fox, and so... Couple things. Um, Kale McCarr gets tons of ozone starts. Yep, tons of them. He also gets to play with McKinnon a lot. You know the McKinnon line a lot because Bednar likes to put best with best. He wants to put his most dangerous offensive guys out there consistently with his most dangerous offensive guys. That's, I mean, okay, great. The thing that I think gets lost in that is that McKinnon is also constantly against the best the other team has to offer. 
And if Makar is stapled to McKinnon, and largely is, to be honest, um, Makar's pairing is is frequently out there with McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog. Uh, with all the injuries, I guess it was just McKinnon, really. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that means Makar is not on. Yes, his quality his his quality of teammate is much higher than a guy like Adam Fox's. Because Fox is rotating around the lineup, and he's not just getting exclusively time with Zabanajad and uh, Panarin. Fox is also not playing against the opposing team's top guys every single shift, and Kale McCart is. Correct. And you can look at the Ozone starts and say that uh, McCart has been more sheltered. And if you think of sheltered as lots of Ozone starts... Um, then fine. To be honest, ozone start percentage, ozone start stuff is almost irrelevant to me because the vast majority of shifts start at on, on the fly. fly. Yeah. So uh, those numbers, those numbers don't mean a whole lot to me because they're just you're talking like maybe twenty or thirty percent of the shifts are are getting started uh, from in an actual zone. It's just not, and then and then you're breaking it down from there. It's just not that many. Um, when it comes to Hughes, he's got great defensive underlying numbers and all of that. That's that's all good and well. If if the argument is that those guys are better defenders in their own zone, I don't care. That's fine. You you want to make that argument after 50 NHL games played? Fine. I, I have no issues with that. The the reality is, is that Kale McCarr has produced at an elite rate on a, on a very, very good team and has been one of the main reasons that that very good team is a very good team. Adam Fox and Quinn Hughes are major reasons why those teams are playoff contenders. Sure. Kale McCarr is a major reason why the Avalanche are more than that. Because we saw the Avs made the playoffs last year without Kale McCarr. So, and then added Kale McCarr, and look what happened. And here's here's the thing. Yes, advanced stats do attempt to quantify things like defensive ability. Mm-hmm. And Corsi percentages do that to a certain rate. They show how much a player shoots compared to how much they get shot on while on the ice. But you still cannot quantify everything. Quinn Hughes isn't in the corner destroying people like Kale McCarr can in the defensive nope. zone. So I, I'm always a big advocate for advanced stats, but you cannot just completely remove the eye test from this as well. There is more to hockey than just numbers, and there always will be. And this is, the, this is where Abs fans and, and Kale McCarr uh, called their believers have struggled a little bit this year. Because when you do dig into just the fancy stats, uh, the fancy stats for guys like Fox and Hughes are, are a little bit stronger. Yep. And then anybody that watches Kale McCarr on a regular basis is also like, okay, well, there's something obviously insane about this kid. <laughs> and it's hard to settle up with that. I, If I were to get a ballot voting on the awards this year, I don't honestly know what I would do for my Calder. It would not be Adam Fox. 
For the um, record, at five on five, McCarr does have better Corsi numbers than both Fox and Hughes. And and like I I'd be willing to bet that they're not like significant differences. No, less than two percent between the three. Right. Like I we're we're talking small picking of the nits. Yep. Um McCarr had more points per game. I don't know why that's irrelevant. If there's one thing that has happened in the stats community over the last two years that I've struggled with, it's acting like point production doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, And the idea that players who produce points like that that points aren't a good indicator of quality of play because because that's crazy the reason like dry Seidel is going to win the calder is because he scored well over 100 points <laughs> right like dry Seidel's winning mvp because he outscored everybody else by magnitudes yep and i don't even have an issue like i don't have any problem with that when you're just that hot like when you're just when you're producing so much like that and the McDavid thing, whatever, whatever. Yeah. When the next closest player is nearly um, 20 points behind you, it, you're just that much better than everyone. <laughs> like, Right. I'm just. The, yeah. Um, the, the stats community kind of shifting away from or not shifting away from, but getting louder about points are a bad way to evaluate players. I, it is. Is something I will always struggle with yep. because pro- production matters. Yeah, you can't just and and I'm not saying guys do this because the 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 argument against fancy stats in general is well you have to watch the games you can't just boil it all down to these graphs and charts. Of course not, but you you the argument for Kale McCarr is difficult to make to the stats community because it requires the kind of leap of faith that they're just intrinsically opposed to. Well, I mean, the the kind of maybe not leap of faith, but the kind of argument that does not move them in any way where it's just like, look, you just watch him and he just changes who the avalanche are. The other side of this coin is, if Makar was healthy for 10 more games this year, is this even a conversation? He's sitting with more overall points than Hughes. He's one of the top-scoring well, defensemen in the league behind, like, Carlson. You just, you just, you add 10 points to Kale Makar's total and you give him a 60-point season. Right. In, in you know, however, he missed, like, 15 games or something. So, yep. just add 10 points, add a couple of the games played to it to, to even it out, whatever. He's right around a point per game. Great. Um, do we have that conversation? I, I don't. I don't think that it would be reasonable to have that conversation if a guy, if a, if a rookie defenseman is a point per game pace, and he was having a sixty points. You're right. You, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I'm doing a bad job of it, but I'm agreeing. <laughs> you were getting there. Like, uh, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. If Kale McCarr had ten more points than than Quinn Hughes, we're not sitting here talking about his expected goals against numbers per 60 and all that nonsense. Right. It's 
And that's the point that I'm getting at. Quinn Hughes played 68 games. McCarr played 57. McCarr well above Hughes' point per game pace, a full .1 higher at this point. And the other side is, you know what? Availability is a skill. McCarr was hurt a bit this season. We've seen that argument prop up when it comes to the Calder before. Um, But at the end of the day... You know, uh, I, I lied. Um... If I got a, if I were to have a vote, I would give it to McCarr because I watched McCarr every day, and I watched him have a discernible difference on a Stanley Cup contending team. And without Hughes and without Fox, the Rangers and Canucks don't make the playoffs. Yep. That simple. Without Kale McCarr, the Avs easily make the playoffs. With Kale McCarr, they're one of the five scariest teams in the league. It and that value to a good team. And this is why his relative, why Makar's relative stats next to his teammates aren't as good, which is another thing that a lot of the stats community loves to get into, is, oh, the numbers relative to teammates. Well, Makar's teammates are a hell of a lot better than what Adam Fox and uh, and Quinn Hughes are, are rolling out there on a regular basis. Yeah. And, like, Kale Makar's teammates are just better. The Avs defense, the, the, Avs, the Avs, all of their guys are just better. And so his relative numbers might be on the little lower side because the bar is a lot higher for Kale McCarr when it comes to the teammates. And I won't say that I've watched a ton of Quinn Hughes, but I've watched a handful of Vancouver games outside of the ones against the Avs. He's really good, He's man. He is really good, but he is not... He does not have that same feeling of when I watch Kale McCarr and I go, that dude's a Hall of Famer. I just don't get that same feeling from Quinn Hughes. And and that's not... Maybe he ends up in the Hall of Fame in, in 15 years or whatever, but he doesn't have that extra, this guy is on another level than everyone else type of feeling. Yeah. So. Also, just anecdotally, the last time those two teams played and there was no Kale McCarr for the Avs and there was also no goaltending for the Avs. Yeah. Uh... Quinn Hughes looked bad. He got embarrassed three times he was, in that game. It, honestly, most of the games against the Avs for Vancouver, Hughes was not great. <laughs> I don't I don't remember the first game. Um, I don't remember Hughes in their first game where the uh, the Matt Calvert thing happened. Yeah. Because the Matt Calvert thing took over all of my Erased memories. the rest game. of that game, yeah. Yeah, and then McKinnon just in overtime being like, Rawr! and then them complaining about JT Converse interference at center ice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I don't I don't honestly remember. Maybe maybe I should go back and I should do a, a film room on Hughes versus McCarr. That would be fun. There that might go. be then maybe we should do like a maybe we should do a live cast where we do a video breakdown of them. Yeah, we can definitely do something like that. I like that. Um Yeah, that would be a lot of fun because if there's one thing that I think Gavs fans should do, it's gaining appreciation for how good Quinn Hughes really is. Yeah, he's a, absolutely a star everybody player. Everybody else needs to do it's Stop throwing a chart at me and trying to tell me that Kale McCarr is not the best young defenseman that the NHL has seen since Eric Carlson. <laughs> because he is. And he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he's probably going to win a Conn Smythe. And he's going to have his number retired by the Avs. And he's going to go down as one of the defining defensemen of this generation. And I understand that those are all really, really big predictions. But they're all also going to happen. I'm on board. The dude's going to score 80 points next year, and we're going to be off and running in this Avs coverage. It's going to be insane to cover. 
I've already I, I've been thinking about our roundtable for next preseason and bold predictions. And I was like, well, I was going to predict that McCarr is going to score 80 points, but you keep talking about it. And I'm like, well, I agree with him. It's not that it's just <laughs> not that bold of a prediction. Yeah. I, if we just keep talking about it, it's not really that bold. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I think it's coming. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's going 20 and 60 next year. First 100-point defenseman in like 20 years? That's the bold prediction right there. Uh, I, I won't go for sophomore year. I think that's year four. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. For now, <laughs> we got to wrap up this podcast. As always, thank you everyone for listening, particularly the live chat. If you want to communicate with us during the show, maybe you have a question, you can throw it in the live chat, particularly on... Whenever we have our next question show, it might be a bit busy this week and on the second half with the NFL draft yeah, coming up. But we're not totally sure what our schedule looks like yet. So, so playing this week by ear a little bit. We'll yeah. keep you updated. One thing we do have on the schedule for sure: tomorrow night, Wednesday night, Game Five, Avs versus Wings, six p.m. This Twitch channel right here should be fun. Uh, other than that, yeah, we'll talk to y'all tomorrow. DMDR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DMDR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DMDR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DMDR Avalanche with AJ Hayfully.